Those days are over. You don't have to sell your body to the night. Roxanne. All right. Hey everybody, I'm Kai Rizdal. Welcome back to Make Me Smart. Making Today Make Sense is what we do on this podcast as best we can. As best we can. And I'm Kimberly Adams. Thank you everyone for joining us this Thursday, November the 16th. We are going to do uh, what we do on Thursday is listen back to some of the big stories of the week and um, and talk about them a little bit. Uh, here we go, Drew. Sir, this is a time, this is a place. If you want to run your mouth, we can be two consenting adults. We can finish it here. Okay, that's fine. Perfect. You want to do it now? Oh, my God. Do you Ooh, want to do this one? Sure. So many of you will probably have heard this clip already. That was Republican Senator Mark Wayne Mullen from Oklahoma challenging the president of the Teamsters to a physical fight in the middle of a Senate hearing on Tuesday. Um, Senator Mullen is a former mixed martial arts fighter and, you know, the Teamsters – it, president was there. And I actually, you know, I was looking at the article about this and it didn't even say what the hearing was about because this, this f- air quote fight got so much of the attention that there was very little attention paid to actually what the work of the Senate was supposed to be. The hearing was about standing up against corporate greed, how unions are improving the lives of working families was the title of that hearing. And that was what it was supposed to be about. So in addition to the unconscionable breach of decorum, uh, you know, then you had uh, Bernie Sanders, who is the chair of that committee, stepping in. So here's what he had to say. This is a hearing to discuss economic issues. All right, if you have questions for Mr. O'Brien or anybody else on what he has said, go for it. But we're not here to talk about fights or anything else. (laughs) And watching that exchange just really encapsulated to me what we're really dealing with on the Hill right now, which is some people who are literally trying to do the work of governing and managing this economy and other people who are, as you've said many times, Kai, just there to fight, just Mm -hmm. there to fight. And then, you know, Sanders came back later with, you know, this, this other bit. Can I respond? No, you can't. (laughs) This is a hearing. And God knows the American people have enough of contempt for Congress. And it just got worse just got worse. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, um, number one, this is completely embarrassing, uh, for, for, uh, well, we have to say it for Republicans in Congress, cause this was a Republican in Congress. You also saw the shoving news from, from Kevin oh. McCarthy to, yep. uh, a Tennessee Republican whose name I think is Burchett, right? Bur- Burchett. Um, uh, McCarthy elbowed him in the back as witnessed by NPR's uh, Claudia Grisales. There was also a really inter- interesting interview this morning on Morning Edition. A. Martinez was talking to a woman who wrote about um, physical violence on the rise in the Capitol before the Civil War. And she said, this is mm, what happens I when people can't beat you on ideas. They get physical with you. And she went to the Charles Sumner beating in, in, in 1858-ish, 60-ish, whatever it was. Um, it was really, really, really interesting. And, and it's, 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 it's bad. It's bad when physicality comes to what's supposed to be a legislative body. Yeah. And just, again, 
the effort to do the work of governing is so suppressed at this moment. Right. And right. there's no, effort. you know, there's who, no effort. who was it? Um, who was the Republican? Was it Chip Roy who was yep. literally yelling at members of his own party before the House left for um, the holiday recess? He was like, give me something. Give me something mm -hmm. to take back to my district that we actually did. Give me anything. Right. Saying the quiet thing out loud. Um, anyway. Yeah, there was I, there was a thing that went by my social feed this morning and I will look it up as we uh, as we go on. Something about this Congress being the least productive Congress in like half a century or something. They've passed 21 laws. 21. 21. How many of them are post offices? Oh, so here we go. With only 21 bills making into law halfway into November, the 118th Congress, controlled by Republicans in the House and Democrats in the Senate, is on the most sluggish pace to make law since the Congress that met during 1931 and 1932. Wasn't Come on. That? Okay. That was like the Great right? Depression, I mean, right? Yes, it was. Yeah. Yes, it was. <laughs> There wasn't there was. much to be done because there were let's no revenues. Here, yeah, let's, let's move, move on. on. Uh, What's the next one? We're not trying to decouple from China. But we're, what we're trying to do is change the relationship for the better. So that was Joe Biden, President Biden, speaking uh, yesterday about his meeting with uh, Xi Jinping, the leader of the People's Republic of China. They met in California, as everybody who's been near a television set or a radio or any Internet-connected device will know, uh, uh, just ahead of the Asia-Pacific Economic uh, Cooperation Summit in San Francisco. There are some agreements, as you know, on fentanyl and, and restarting military-to-military -military talks. I think what's really interesting, though— is that what he was trying to do is to stabilize the relationship between the two biggest economies in the world. And maybe it worked, maybe it didn't. We'll see, because there have been agreements on fentanyl before. We have had military-to-military -military communication before. So we'll see where this one goes. But but I think it's a big deal. I think it's a big deal. There are also some hints that we may be getting the pandas back. Oh, I saw that. I saw that. Pandas I know, right? Back, which, you know. Uh, but honestly, you have to say to yourself, come on, if he was going to come, if she was going to come to this country and say, yes, he could have brought the pandas with him. Could have brought the pandas with him, or better yet, just freaking brought... left them here. God. You know, but can you imagine, like, what a photo op if he'd, like, brought the pandas right? with him the plane, and, the pandas. like, yeah. with yeah, the pandas? <laughs> Although that would have been a little too, like, on the nose, stereotypical yeah, stuff. So, totally there. Totally All right, let's go to the next clip. This year, I am happy to announce there will be no government shutdown. As of Friday night, the government is staying open. Staying so open. that, thanks, Chuck. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Chuck. Uh, that was uh, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer uh, basically announcing that the continuing resolution ha has made it through and we will not have a government shutdown. Notice he said this year. Because it's a continuing resolution. It is not the actual appropriations bills. It is, uh, you know, pushing the actual big decision making on the funding of the federal government yeah. uh, until after the new year. Now, what's funny about this, not funny, but interesting to me, is on Monday, I did a story because all through the weekend, mm -hmm. I started hearing about this laddered CR, this idea of oh, doing God. a continuing resolution with two different deadlines. I had never heard this term before, and I've been covering Washington for a while. And I called around a bunch of people, and they had never heard of it either, including people who'd been on, like, the budget committee for 20 years. They're like, yeah. they made this up. And they're like, there's no way that they're going to do this. What a gimmick. This is just the Republicans trying to, you know, get around the fact they can't govern. And yet, here we are a few days later with a laddered CR, and I shudder to think what this means for 
the backsliding of the process because it used to be right. that you were supposed to pass all 12 appropriations bills by the funding deadline and be ready to fund the government on October 1st. That stopped happening and we started having these omnibus bills. And then we had minibus bills where you sort of broke it into chunks, right? And then we couldn't even get those done and we started having all these continuing resolutions and then the omnibus bills. And now we can't even get to the omnibus bills because we keep doing continuing resolutions. And I mean, usually we get a continuing resolution around the time of the funding deadline. It kicks it to around the holidays. And then the holidays are the impetus for them to actually fund the government, right? And But this looks like it's going to go well into the new year. We're going to be up for the next funding cycle before we get funding done for the fiscal year that we're in. Right. And now right. that they're willing... They have demonstrated that they are willing to break apart the actual funding deadlines. That I don't think bodes well for the process at all. So um, that, that's a really yeah. important point. That that last little bit—they're breaking apart the deadlines, and that's just bad for process. That's a really important point. Yeah, and process uh, matters. I know it sounds super oh, wonky, yeah. oh, no, totally. but the process no. matters yeah. because this is affecting the government services that you rely on. Right. If your government, the government service that you rely on happens to get packaged into the wrong bucket, <laughs> you might have a completely yeah. different outcome than if it gets put into the bucket with a one on a different timeline and different priorities. So, And that's the fallacy of the Republican plan, right? The fallacy of this plan is that, oh, it doesn't really matter. We'll just get to it and it'll get done and don't worry about it. And that's actually not the way the federal government works, right? There are deadlines mm -hmm. for money to be spent. There are deadlines for checks to go out. There are deadlines for reimbursement and all of those things. And it all goes kerflooey if Congress doesn't do its job. That's, you know, that's the truth. Yeah. And what's funny about right. this is that they ended up basically with level funding, uh, as in oh, the budget I that know. Pelosi did. <laughs> so yep. whatevs. Yep. All right. I'm done for it. One last piece. Let's go. We're experimenting with new ways to let artists, songwriters, and producers instantly hear their ideas. New ways to use technology to help them create music. Like singing a melody to create a horn section. Wow. AI is going to take over our lives. So that was a promo video from YouTube uh, and its new AI music experiment. They uh, released an early look at the project, uh, as we just played for you. They're developing it with Google DeepMind. So, you know, Google, Google's big brains are working hard on this one. Um, it's just testing out there with artists and musicians. But, but look, AI is coming for every slice of this economy, every slice of this society. And you just need to be aware of it. That's why I think why we picked that one. Yeah, I was digging into it this afternoon, and one of the other things they're doing in a blatant attempt to lure people over from TikTok is for yeah. YouTube Shorts. They've partnered with some artists like Charlie Pluth and Demi Lovato and um, mm -hmm. John Legend and a couple of other people, and you can, like, type in, oh, give me, like, an upbeat, you know, clip for a morning in Florida – and it uses right. that artist's voice to, like, generate a little um, soundtrack to whatever little video you want to post on YouTube Shorts. That is pretty – I can imagine that being pretty compelling for people who are very into posting to have your own custom soundtrack by an artist you mm -hmm. love 
to mm-hmm. be the background for your video. And it was just like you type in a phrase and then you pick which artist you want to make it. And it makes a little snippet in that style. And, you know, the person from YouTube who was talking was talking about how it's important to be responsible with all of this and to respect the rights of the artist and that it's supposed to build on human creativity and not replace it. Good luck. Good luck. (laughs) Good luck with that. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, that's totally. that's probably where we, we should end it before we go yeah. deep into the dark place. Um, that is it for today. We're going to be back tomorrow with Economics on Tap. That's our YouTube live stream show, and we have a great time. If you can join the YouTube live stream, we have a poll. We talk about drinks. We gossip and chit-chat and talk trash uh also in the fan run discord um but you can also just watch or listen to the podcast later but we're going to be on youtube at 6 30 eastern 3 30 pacific so you can join us for more news drinks of course and a game This episode of this podcast, which is called Make Me Smart, was produced by Courtney Bergseeker with assistance from H. Connolly. Today, audio engineering by Drew Jostad. Ellen Rolfes writes our newsletter. Our intern is Neela Farshaban. Marissa Cabrera is our senior producer. Bridget Bodner is the director of podcasts. And Francesca Levy is the executive director of digital. We all want to be our best selves, but it can be an expensive journey. From experimenting with alternative medicine. I was working with a natural, holistic nutritionist and never really thought about the cost. To splurging on fast fashion. I was spending like all my tips. I was definitely spending like $200 a week. I'm Rima Hreis, host of Marketplace's This Is Uncomfortable. This season, we explore the cost of self-care and the real motivations behind our spending choices. Listen to This Is Uncomfortable wherever you get your podcasts.